Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Friday episode for week 19 of the 2024 NBA season. I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show, uh, or welcome back to the show, whether you've been listening previously or you're a brand new listener to the podcast. Either way, we appreciate your uh, support, and thank you again for tuning in. Um, before we dive in today's, into today's episode, I wanted to touch on something real quick. I uh, was browsing and was able to see uh, some updates um, on the NBA website. John Schumann put together uh, strength of schedule rankings for the rest of the season. And I think this is definitely uh, worth looking at as we're getting into the thick of the playoff race. Um, of course, a quick update on a DEFCON level topic I had just on our Monday episode with Wyatt um, about, oh, can the Jazz you know, find a way to make it into the, the play-in picture. We are both skeptical, and that's without even you know taking this into consideration. The Jazz have the second strongest strength of schedule for the remainder of the season. Um, they have a, a moderate amount of back-to-backs um, and fairly even split home and road, but the, the strength of schedule is tough, so that's going to be a little bit difficult. Um, otherwise, big things to note: Phoenix and Milwaukee are going to have kind of a tougher end of the end of the road here. Uh, Phoenix with the the biggest uh, or or strongest strength of schedule, I suppose, um, with a five the opponent win percentage five fifty seven point four. I suppose um, if I can figure out how to how to use my words here. Um, they also have 13 games on the road compared to 10 at home. Milwaukee, not as bad, 54.9, and it's an even split, but both teams have four uh, back-to-back uh, games, uh, or sets of games, rather. Um, the Lakers are fourth. Um, that's another big one to watch out for. And then when you talk about easiest strength of schedule, uh, third easiest, Boston. 45.2 win percentage of their opponents' uh, upcoming and they have more games on the road, but still, Boston, an easier road going forward. And Miami, second easiest strength of schedule, 45% uh, win percentage of opponents, uh, 13 games at home, 10 on the road. So Miami really has an opportunity to make a big push. Uh, Golden State is, what, seventh easiest, so they're uh, towards that direction. They have a lot of back-to-back, so and a lot of road games. Uh, and then finally, Orlando, easiest strength of schedule, 13 home games, nine road games, uh, only three back-to-backs, and a 43.9 win percentage of their opponents. So I think there's a lot of interesting nuggets. Of course, we'll dive into Orlando specifically um, later on in the show with our franchise focus. But for now, let's actually get into the uh, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of today's episode, starting with our game summaries and key news from the last couple of nights of NBA action. All right, we're going to start with a little bit of a quick hitter here. Uh, Wednesday night, the Dallas Mavericks in Toronto against the Raptors, and Luka Doncic celebrating his 25th birthday, able to get the win in Toronto, 136-125, to your final. Luka with a big game. He had a 30-point triple-double with 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 16 assists. Uh, there's been a number of players, nine, uh, eight or nine different players, uh, or at least eight or nine different instances of a player having a triple-double on their birthday. Uh, so not the first there, but he is the first to have 30 points and a triple-double on uh, his birthday. So pretty cool uh, 
category to be in there. It was a pretty back and forth game, uh, especially in the first half. 15 lead changes overall, uh, but a big third quarter run by the Mavs was able to put them up double digits going into the fourth quarter. And they never really gave up that lead. They were able to hold on uh, for the remainder of the way. They were the better rebounding team in this game, and they shot a better percentage overall. Uh, as well as from the free throw line. So a couple of uh, stats setting them apart. As far as box scores, the Raptors were led by Emmanuel Quickly, 28 points and nine assists, along with two steals, five of 11 from three. Big game for Quickly. Now they got 26 points from R.J. Barrett, uh, six assists and five boards for him as well, four of six from three. Uh, They got 19 points, 11 boards, seven assists, three steals and a block. Stuffing the stat sheet, Scotty Barnes, uh, great job there. 16 from Jakob Pertl with four steals and two blocks. Great defensive impact uh, as well. Seven boards, six assists. Um, And then 13 off the bench from Kelly Olenek as well as 11 points from Gary Trent Jr. Meanwhile, for the Mavs, yes, Luca, we mentioned his stats. He was joined by Kyrie Irving, 29 points for him. Uh, with two steals and a block, they combined for 59, those two. Then they were joined by P.J. Washington, the recent acquisition, 23 points, six boards, three blocks, and he was 5 of 10 from three. Uh, that's a pretty great stat line. That's what they hope to get from him as a trade deadline acquisition. Uh, then off the bench, Tim Hardaway Jr., 16 points, and Daniel Gafford, 13 points, seven boards, a steal and a block. Again, similar impact. They hope to get that kind of a thing from him regular basis uh so big win for the mavs there in toronto and that's most what we want to talk about there so let's go ahead and move into the next game uh wednesday night a double overtime affair between the chicago bulls in chicago uh and the visiting cleveland cavaliers the bulls able to come out on top in this uh uh you know longer affair 132 to 123 your final score in chicago for this game um of course, back and forth, close game throughout 15 lead changes um, in the overtime, the first overtime period. Thank DeMar DeRozan for some clutch free throws. He was fouled on a three-point attempt, uh, able to knock down all three of those to force the second overtime. Um, and in that second overtime period, he had 11, uh, and the Bulls outscored the Cavs 17-8 to in that second overtime to, uh, to win the game. With the win, they avoid the season series sweep. Uh, so definitely a big one against a strong Cavs team. As far as box score real quick, uh, the Cavs led by Evan Mobley, 25 points, 13 boards, and 4 blocks. Uh, they got 23 points from Darius Garland, 19 from Donovan Mitchell. By the way, Garland, 7 of 14 from 3-point range. Um, 14 points. 15 assists off the bench for Karis Silvert, not to mention seven boards, two steals, and two blocks. Phenomenal game um, in his bench role. He's been very good for them a lot of times this year. Not quite a six-man-of-the-year candidate, but he he's in that range. He's probably a top 10, top 15 name in that type of a, a category. Isaac Okoro with 13 off the bench. Then they got 11 from both Jarrett Allen and Max Struess. Uh, so, Good all-round play. Not much to complain about for the Cavs, but the the Bulls, uh, their starters really carrying them. Man, massive games here. First of all, DeMar DeRozan, 35 points overall, 10 boards, 5 assists, uh, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Very impressive numbers there. Then you go to Nikola Vucevic, technically starting at a power forward in this game. Looks like they're experimenting with the lineup a little bit. 24 points, 13 boards with 2 steals, 2 blocks, and five uh, 5 assists. So strong game for Vucevic at the power forward. Then you have Andre Drummond starting at center. 17 points, 26 rebounds for Andre Drummond. Continues to be an effective rebounder 
one of the best rebounders in the league still to this day, you know, several seasons removed from his his prime in Detroit. He also had three blocks. Then Eudesomu starting had 21 points, four assists, a steal and a block. And then finally Kobe White, 14 points, 12 assists, eight rebounds, a steal and a block. Massive efforts from a ton of these Chicago players. Um, probably one of their higher uh, higher points of the season, one of their best games of the season uh, in terms of the overall production. A season that's been you know more down than up. But uh, great to see that level of production. And again, Kobe White continues to emerge despite a tough shooting night. I mean, two of 13 from three, but still very impressive. Uh, they also got 10 points off the bench from the recently uh, converted to a standard deal honor lap bitum. And again, I, I know I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, probably in a number of uh, locations in the name pronunciation. But, uh, uh, you know, strong game for him. Great game for Chicago overall and a gutsy win uh, in double overtime. And finally, for Wednesday, uh, the last game we're talking about for Wednesday night, the big one, the big he- uh, headliner, the last game in the quote-unquote hallway series between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, the last game with both of them sharing the uh, formerly Staples Center, now Crypto.com Arena, um, the Clippers hosting the last of these matchups, but it was the Lakers coming out victorious with the 116-112 victory. But we'll start with some of the, the foundation first. The Lakers trailed by 21 points going into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, the Clippers had built a lead slowly but surely. Um, the fourth, you know, it peaked with that 21-point lead in the fourth quarter. Um, and the Clippers on the season, of course, we've known they've been the stronger team, um, playing a little bit better all-round game up to that point. And then the Lakers proceeded to go on a 34-8 to run in the game. LeBron individually outscored the Clippers at one point, uh, 19-16. to I think that was from that 21-point deficit onward. Um, but he outscored the Clippers 19-16 with five three-pointers made in that span uh, to bring it, to give them a lead at that point um, after that run and, and after the, uh, you know, after he, he outscored the Clippers that by that degree, um, there was a key stop on Kawhi Leonard. Uh, they finished off with a Cam Reddish dunk. Um, impressive series for the Lakers. It's the biggest comeback of LeBron James's career, that 21-point deficit, which is pretty remarkable um, to, to have that at this point in his career. You know, so many games played, both regular season and playoffs. Um, not sure if that was counting playoffs, um, but biggest comeback certainly of regular season uh, career for LeBron James. Uh, the Lakers win the season series three games to one. That's the first time since the 2012 season that they've been able to do that. Um, and of course, again, end of the ser- the hallway series, a 25 year series, 25 years they've shared the uh, the same building. Uh, who gets the the final nod in that series in that time span that they both shared the building? Uh, the Clippers, 50 to 47. Clippers have the advantage. Uh, kind of surprising. You would think championship Lakers teams in that building and the Clippers oftentimes not that great, but uh, Clippers have the advantage. In that time span, the Lakers do have an additional win um, in the bubble in Orlando, of course, a neutral site. Um, and one other final note, depending on how playoffs shake out and play in picture, um, could we see Lakers Clippers in the playoffs? It has never happened in either of their franchises history. If it did, it'd be, you know, an encore of sorts for this, uh, this hallway series. 
it'd be a very fitting send off as the Clippers move to a new arena. They get the new rebrand. Um, they have stars in place to continue to contend um, as do the Lakers in, in some senses, but uh, aging teams a little bit, the both of them, um, but that would be a fantastic playoff series. Lakers Clippers. I'd be very excited to see that because um, both teams have been competitive Clippers, especially so this season. Um, but yeah, great, great game. We'll dive into a couple box score numbers real quick. LeBron on the game overall, 34 points, six boards, eight assists, seven of 12 from three, um, including those five in the fourth quarter. Anthony Davis, 20 points, 12 boards, three blocks, two steals, monster game, uh, 18 for D'Angelo Russell, 17 for Roy Hachimura. Uh, as far as box scores for the Clippers, they were led by Kawhi, 26 points, seven boards, six assists, and uh, James Harden, 23 points and nine assists. Uh, for them. So those are the leaders for both teams. And again, a big win for the Lakers against the Clippers to to close out the series, uh, the the hallway series and the season series, I suppose. Uh, those are the Wednesday games as far as the remaining games from, uh, well, the Wednesday games we wanted to dive more deeply into. The remaining games from Wednesday, uh, firstly, the Indiana Pacers won at home against the New Orleans Pelicans, 123 to 114. Uh, Siakam with a double-double overcoming a 30-point game from Brandon Ingram. Then the Minnesota Timberwolves won at home against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, 110-101. to Your final, uh, Jaron Jackson, 33 points, 13 boards in that game. Uh, but the Timberwolves with a 43-23 to closing run to, to seal the win. Anthony Edwards with 34 in that game. And finally, the Denver Nuggets won at home against the Sacramento Kings, 117 to 96. Jamal Murray, 32 points. And the Nuggets had a 32 point third quarter lead, just really dominated this game uh, en route to a big victory. Nikola Jokic with a fourth straight triple double as well. So those were your Wednesday games. Uh, let's jump into Thursday, and the final two games we'll be talking more in detail on, starting with uh, a matchup of the quote unquote future of the league. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder, Wemby versus Chet uh, for the third time this season, I believe. Um, Spurs and Thunder, of course, vast separation in the standings. Yeah, you know, one one uh, one standing away from being as far removed as you could be. Thunder, nearly the best team in the NBA, or not the NBA, but in the West, arguably best team in the NBA. Uh, depending on who you ask, but the Spurs, the worst team in the West, uh, so very big gulf. Regardless. Uh, Spurs, you know, looking to try and get in the win column again. Uh, they had a little bit of a losing streak going into this. This was their return home after the rodeo road trip. Uh, of course, they have a lengthy road trip um, every year around February as the, the uh, AT&T Center hosts. Um, I forget the specific name. Um, it's, it's a rodeo event, and uh, there's more to it than that. Um, but yeah, Spurs' first home game since February 3rd. And uh, when Minyama showed out, the Spurs showed out, and they get the win against the Thunder, 132 to 118, your final, um, uh, as Wemby and Chet duel specifically. Uh, but the Thunder and Spurs have a, a phenomenal game. 12 lead changes. Um, Spurs, the only double digit leads in the game, uh, third and fourth quarter, two separate leads uh, in that one. They had a vast a advantage in the assist category, 39 to 20. Um, Maybe a bit of the the big picture why the, the Spurs are able to win so handily. Thunder not as sharp potentially as a team, uh, and the shooting numbers. I mean, the Spurs shot nearly twenty percent better from three point range 
this Thunder shooting only 20, 29% overall from three. So a couple of key categories really hurting the Thunder in that game. Um, but as far as box scores go, we'll start with the Thunder. Uh, they were led by SGA, 31 points, um, six boards, three assists. Very good all round. Jalen Williams, Santa Clara Jalen Williams, 26 points, six boards, three assists. They got 23 points, seven boards, five assists, and a block from Chet Holmgren. And then 15 off the bench from Isaiah Joe. Not bad, but the Spurs, you look at Wembenyama, he was sensational again and again in the historic category. Uh, first player with a 25-point, 10-board, 5-assist, five 5-block, five and 5 three-point made stat line. It seems like we had some sort of similar stat recently, but he just it seems to always be in that mix, these historic stat lines. Uh, his exact stat line, 28 points, 13 boards, seven assists, two steals, five blocks, uh, five of seven from three-point range, 52% from the floor. Um, sensational. I mean, he he continues to impress this season. You really can't say much more than that. Um, outside of him, they got 28 also from Devin Vassell, who had nine assists, two blocks. Uh, they got 21 and 10 boards from Jeremy Sohan. Uh, 17 points from Trey Jones, who also had eight assists, six boards. Off the bench, Zach Collins, 13 points, five boards, five assists, and then Keldon Johnson, 10 points, four assists. Great all-around team game. Of course, Wem and Yama, stellar, leading the charge for the Spurs. Uh, they ended their own five-game losing streak and also the Thunder's six-game win streak. So big win all round. Wemby, you know, addressed the fans afterwards saying that he, he had missed the home court atmosphere with the lengthy road trip, got them going with the go Spurs go chant. Um, he is already becoming beloved. Of course, he was uh, highly regarded and fans were excited in San Antonio, but now he's really endearing the, himself to the fans very early, becoming a fan favorite and becoming a, a you know, a potential star for the Spurs as we expect. Um, so great win for them. We'll close out the five games we're diving in more in, in depth on with the finals rematch, the Denver Nuggets hosting the Miami Heat uh, rematch of this most recent NBA finals. And uh, first off, the game started, uh, well, the, the noteworthy stuff started before the game. Thomas Bryant of the Miami Heat was on the Nuggets for that championship team. Uh, so he did receive his championship ring despite a uh, serving a suspension uh, from that whole Heat Pelicans debacle. Uh, so he got his ring, uh, and then the Nuggets got off to um, a good start. Jamal Murray was in a groove, hits a first quarter buzzer beater, and then he goes out of the game with an ankle injury um, after that fact. So then they were, you know, dealing with that again. Uh, obviously that that's devastating uh no matter how short of an impact you know the nuggets are just so much better with jamal murray on the floor um they they built a lead they were able to hold off a rally by excuse me a rally by the heat uh to win the game narrowly 103 to 97 and a little bit of a lower scoring affair um yeah they had about a 16 point lead in the fourth quarter heat chipped away at that to make it a, a closer margin of, uh, of defeat for the heat um but the nuggets edged them out in the three-point shooting category and the free throws. And, uh, you know, th those were the, the key differences, I suppose, when you're making, you know, more, a higher percentage of your three-point attempts. Um, that can be the difference maker. Uh, as far as box score goes, Miami was led by Bam Adebayo, 28 points, eight boards. Jimmy Butler had 21 points, seven boards. 
they got 19 from Terry Rozier, 12 from Duncan Robinson, and then off the bench, Caleb Martin with 13 points, nine boards. By the way, Duncan Robinson, three steals. Uh, so a little bit more of the defense than you might expect or at least talk about with Duncan Robinson. But the Nuggets, they're, uh, they were led by Michael Porter Jr., 30 points, 11 boards with two steals, two blocks. Uh, great all-round game for him, 52% from the floor, uh, 4 of 10 from 3, stellar impact. Then they had a solid game from Jokic, 18 points, 11 boards, 7 assists, two blocks, a steal. They got 18 points from Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and then 16 points, nine boards, three steals, and a block from Aaron Gordon. Again, Jamal Murray only played 14 minutes in this game, six points for him in that time span. Um, so Reggie Jackson playing big minutes the rest of the way. Uh, he didn't have a big scoring game either, but the Nuggets, uh, again, led by Porter Jr., able to get the win. That pushes the Denver win streak to five straight games, and it ended the Heat's five-game win streak. So again, um, you know, streaks, <laughs> streaks ending and beginning and continuing, uh, much like that Spurs-Thunder game. So a big win for the Nuggets in the finals rematch, and that's it for the five-on-five five drill. As far as the remaining Thursday night games, uh, firstly, the Orlando Magic won at home against the Utah Jazz, 115-107, to 107, Paolo Bencaro returned to the lineup. He had a game-high 29 points. Jalen Suggs, huge late in the game, three three-pointers made in the final three minutes, um, and the Magic are 10-3, and three in their last 13 games, really starting to to have a bit of a resurgence. Uh, so they're doing well. Next, the Milwaukee Bucks won in Charlotte against the Hornets, 111 to 99. Um, you know, Giannis with a double-double, 24 points, 10 boards. More importantly, the Bucks are 4-0 since the All-Star break, really starting to get some positive momentum going. Uh, next, the Golden State Warriors won in New York against the Knicks, 110 to 99. Curry in the Garden. Uh, you always expect something spectacular. 31 points and 11 rebounds in that game. Uh, eight three-pointers made. So uh, still a phenomenal game. This is the first time he's played in the Garden since December of 2021, um, when I believe he, uh, you know, that was the game that he passed Ray Allen um, for the all-time three-pointers made category uh, leader. So it's been since then uh, it potentially – uh, that it was not quite that game, and that was a little bit after that. But I, I want to say it was that game. Uh, so he returns and is victorious. Next, the Brooklyn Nets won at home against the Atlanta Hawks, one twenty four to ninety seven. Your final there. Uh, the Phoenix Suns won at home against the Houston Rockets, one ten to one hundred five. Uh, thirty point games traded by Devin Booker and Jalen Green. Booker with thirty five, Jalen Green with thirty four. Late rally by the Rockets came up a little bit short in that game, and then finally, an overtime game. Los Angeles Lakers hosting the Washington Wizards. They get the win, 134 to 131. Anthony Davis, spectacular, 30, uh, 40 points, 15 boards, and three blocks in the game. Uh, but it was Austin Reeves with a clutch shot to help force overtime. LeBron, a big block on Jordan Poole in the overtime period, uh, with followed up by a clutch three. Um, and the keynote there, after that scoring run, LeBron, uh, total career points at this point, 39,991. He is nine points away from reaching the phenomenal 40,000 point mark for his career. Um, of course, he's already become the number one leader uh, all time in NBA history, but he's uh, has a chance to continue to, um, you know, build the gap, I suppose, and make it harder for uh, the 
players to come after to try and break that record. Um, and he has a chance to do that on Saturday. I believe they're playing the Nuggets. So definitely a game to watch out for and a stat to watch out for. But otherwise, that is it for the games uh, that were you know, played the last couple of nights. As far as key news, a bunch of transactions to go through, starting with Atlanta. They waived guard Patty Mills and uh, converted the contract of Trent Forrest, who was on the two-way deal, to a standard contract to replace the roster spot of Patty Mills. Uh, Patty Mills, so he becomes a free agent, has a chance to try and sign and contribute with probably a more of a contending type team. He's been shooting pretty well from three this season, but has been playing limited minutes. Uh, we'll see if he ends up somewhere uh, in the vein of a contending team. Next, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Guard Shake Milton has agreed to a contract buyout. Uh, that was one that was a possibility. So now he'll look to sign probably with a contender as well, as will likely uh, Marcus Morris. Uh, the Spurs and Marcus Morris have also agreed to a contract buyout. So he is open to sign with the team. The Spurs, in the wake of that, uh, they converted forward Dominic Barlow to a standard contract and they uh, plan to sign guard Jamari Boyea to a two way deal to replace Barlow who in turn Barlow replaces Morris. So uh, the Spurs retooling the lineup a little bit there, uh, at least the, the deep uh, bench rotation, I suppose. Next, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, forward center Mike Muscala plans to sign with the Thunder. Of course, he's played with them previously uh, for several seasons. He was most recently with Detroit. They bought him out, and now he's looking to return to the Thunder and contribute there for a, a top-tier team in the West. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, have signed forward center Harry Giles III to a two-way deal. Um, that's their fourth at the moment. I'm sure we'll we'll hear about uh, which two-way deal they might have waived or, or or changed around to clear up the room for Giles. Um, and then some new two-way deals, um, uh, or actually, sorry, one more two-way deal. The Milwaukee Bucks planning to sign forward Jalen Galloway to a two-way deal. He's uh, been a big-name player, I guess, in the NBL in Australia, potentially. Um, and then we had a lot of two-way contracts that were converted to standard deals, firstly for the Brooklyn Nets forward Jalen Wilson, for the Toronto Raptors guard Javon Freeman-Liberty, and then for the Washington Wizards forward Eugene Omarui. So all those guys getting converted to standard deals, full-time roster spots. So congratulations to all of them. Um, news for the Charlotte Hornets front office. They are planning to hire Nets executive Jeff Peterson as head of basketball operations, and he'll become the youngest lead front office executive in the NBA at 35 years old. So uh, young guy getting a, a big opportunity with the Hornets team that has some talent and they're looking to, you know, try and get out of the, uh, you know, doldrums of the, the Eastern conference and the Southeast division and see if they can start building a, a, a really potent team. Uh, big news for the New York Knicks. Congratulations to Julius Randall for winning the NBA cares award for the month of January. Um, well-deserved there, a uh, great impact guy in the New York area. And finally, uh, news for the NBA, uh, just an update on the NBA foundation. They have surpassed $100 million in grants given to nonprofit organizations. So that's a pretty cool landmark, uh, for them and, and cool to hear that kind of news, but, uh, that's it for the news. Again, mostly transactions, a couple of other items. Um, but that's it on that front. So let's go ahead and shift focus into our latest franchise focus, where we'll be talking about the Orlando Magic. Franchise focus.
All right. Has as has been kind of a theme in recent franchise focus episodes, and we're gonna double down on it here. Um, we're gonna try and be as succinct as we can. And again, it's not just it's not because of whatever team we're talking about, in this case, the magic. It's not um you know, oh, we don't want to talk about the magic, so we're going to rush through this. It's just in an effort to get the um, segment scaled back. You know, we've had so many episodes where franchise focus goes on for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and I don't think it quite needs to be that long. 15 to 20 minutes, I think, uh, you know, if that would be a good range. Um, but, of course, we're talking magic. As far as the current team goes, um, they, you know, about four or five years ago, had the tail end of a an odd couple of years where they uh, – got back to competitiveness again, only to collapse right back down. Um, and so they've been building from that, trying to build something more long-term. And at the moment they're looking good. They're not, you know, ahead of schedule or tearing up the, uh, the conference like the thunder are in the West, uh, but they're doing well again, 10, uh, 10 and three over the last 13 games. There's six in the Eastern conference at the moment. So they're looking like a good uh, chance to, to make a solid playoff spot. Um, and, you know, I don't. I don't think I can say it enough. Paolo Bencaro needs so much more credit as a first overall pick, a rookie of the year, and now in his sophomore season, an All Star and uh, a bona fide leader of this Magic team. A guy that's now hit a game, a couple of game winning shots this season. He's uh, been phenomenal, and you know he's he's versatile. I think he they found a great piece to build around there as far as a bigger forward, power forward. They can play him at the small forward. Um, you know, he's got a great rebounder. He can score the ball, you know, three-level score or multi-level score. He can assist. And maybe the defense is an area where he can get a little bit better even. Um, but he's not terrible defensively either. Um, he's just been great. And then Franz Wagner continues to impress. I mean, 20 points a game, five boards, uh, five and a half boards, four assists. Um, shooting the ball, his, his three-point shooting has been a little bit off this season. Um, but still a, a strong co-star at the moment. Um, Suggs has been an overachiever. Um, I've liked his emergence this year, 39% from three, his defensive impact. Wendell Carter is a solid center. Um, and after that, you get into more of the question marks. You know, Cole Anthony has been nice as a, a six-man type point guard. You know, is that his future? Um, do they need a, a different kind of point guard? Their rookies haven't had a huge impact um, Anthony Black has started a lot of games for them, um, about five points a game, two boards, one and a half assists, um, not really seeming to contribute as much as of yet. And then Jet Howard's played only 13 games. Um, haven't seen him on a lot of injury reports, um, so I'm curious if he has just been more, you know, coach's decision not playing. Um, so the rookies, you know, haven't been big pieces of the puzzle here. Um, you know, Markel Fultz has missed a lot of time as well. The questions about his longevity with the team. Um, and then you have, you know, Gary Harris, bigger minutes, not as big a production. Um, Maurice Wagner's been nice as a backup big, as has been Gogo Batadze. Um, I mean, they had their biggest win streak with Batadze in the lineup. So there's pieces to like off the bench. There's a lot more question marks. Jonathan Isaac's injury history, as much as I love him. Uh, there's question marks there in terms of him being able to stay on the floor. So the Magic are doing well, but I think that they definitely are not finished with building this thing. Um, and I would, this almost feels more like a team where they've got Ben Carroll, they've got Wagner, and they have all these interesting pieces where they maybe swing a trade, 
with a couple of these other players off the bench and some draft capital to bring in, you know, uh, a little more of solid and maybe a guy with a few more years uh, as far as a co-star alongside Wagner Bancaro, maybe even the second guy to Bancaro. Um, that would just be my, you know, quick thoughts on it. But otherwise, you can't complain too much. I mean, Magic should hopefully be back in the playoffs this year. Um, they're on pace to do that. And Bancaro uh, is only going to get better. He's only 21 years old, so he's going to be the cornerstone for this Magic franchise. And and that's a better cornerstone than a lot of teams, um, you know, can, can claim at the moment. Uh, some of the teams that have been in that bottom 10 of the league uh, over the last couple of seasons. So the Magic look good. They just need to continue building it. They need another guy alongside Wagner and Bancaro. Um, you know, they need a little bit more of a solid point guard situation. Um, some of the injury, you know, guys with long-term injury troubles could be question marks as far as, you know, their efficacy continuing with the lineup. Um, but they're in a good spot. You know, they're just going to continue to to build and get better, I think. So uh, that's the current state of the Magic franchise. And, uh, you know, the Magic have been a, a pretty competitive team in their history. Um, of course, when they've been bad, they've been pretty bad. Um, when they've been good, though, of course, they've been they've been great. They've made it to the finals a couple of times. They've been in, you know, conference finals, conference semis. Uh, they've been right in that mix a lot. Of course, the big bulk of that in the 90s and the, uh, you know, early 2010s, late 2000s, uh, Dwight Howard and, and Shaquille O'Neal, the, the two links of those two best magic eras. And previously, we've talked about um, the, I want to say it was the 2001 Orlando Magic, the first year of Tracy McGrady on that team. Um, this time we're talking again about a little bit of a different Magic team. Of course, if you're talking any Magic teams, like the two most you know potent teams and best teams in their history, you talk about either um, the 2009 Orlando Magic or the 1995 Orlando Magic. And we can get there eventually, and those teams have been talked about a lot, which is kind of why I like to talk about more interesting teams. This team we're talking about is the 2011 Orlando Magic. So still part of that Dwight Howard era, kind of at the tail end of that weird, you know, way that it fizzled out. And I just think it's an interesting look into that team. You know, this team, when I think about the 2011 Magic and really any 2011 team, I have to think back to 2K11, a game that I've played a lot of, a lot of my career in that, in that game. Um, Love 2K11. But when I think of the Magic, you know, they were a team that was uh, one of the top teams in the East in that game, and they had a very star-studded lineup. And it's such an interesting roster to look at. Um, of course, Dwight Howard, uh, and we're talking start of the season here, Dwight Howard, Rashard Lewis, uh, Jameer Nelson, some of the cornerstones still there. They were without uh, Hidu Turkoglu, who had been a big part of the team in that finals run. Um, but they had, you know, let me actually verify that before I say that they had him. I got to remember, I, I made the note of who went away because there was a big transaction uh, kind of early on in the season. Um, but I want to make sure that it was, no, he was part of that. So, so it was, um, let's see. Yeah, this is always great listening when I'm fumbling with my words here, but Jameer Nelson, um, Dwight Howard, they had, you know, Brandon Bass as a, a power forward. They had Richard Lewis, they had Vince Carter. They had brought him in as a big, you know, free agent type signing to to shore up the lineup to kind of fill in the void left by Turkaloo. And that was the lineup for the most part. You know, Nelson, um, Carter, 
Lewis, Bass, Howard, you know, a mix of that. Um, at that point, they maybe had started to shift. Well, I guess Lewis had started more of those games. Um, they had, you know, J.J. Redick. Uh, they had Ryan Anderson. And then um, they midseason swing a trade. They send away Vince Carter. Um, well, earlier in the season, uh, they send away Vince Carter and Marcin Gortat and Mikhail Petras. They bring in uh, Earl Clark and Hidu Turkler. They bring him th- those guys back along with Jason Richardson added to the team. They bring in Quentin Richardson. They had Jason Williams on the roster. It was all these great names. They had Gilbert Arenas on the team. I mean, names that were recognizable from various eras of their career. The problem for the team was especially guys like Arenas and Jason Williams were well past their primes and their production. Um, Williams was cut in like January. Arenas didn't really produce much of anything, especially in the playoffs. He had some points, but um, Quentin Richardson and Jason Richardson were, were decent pieces for them at various points. Um, Dwight Howard was still an MVP level player. I mean, his stat line, 23 points a game, 14 boards, Two and a half blocks, one and a half steals, one and a half assists. Um, I mean, he people forget how great he was as a center, as a defensive force, and of course, as uh, again, an MVP caliber player uh, at that time. Uh, Turkaloo brought back in was, you know, a shadow of his former self in Orlando. Jameer Nelson was already starting to kind of dip from his very brief uh, near all star caliber play in the, the finals season. Reddick hadn't quite fully emerged as uh, the three-point threat, but he was still a high percentage guy, just wasn't scoring a lot. Um, Ryan Anderson, similar category. Um, and it's funny because, of course, the, 20, the 2009 team was so much defined by their three-point shooting, and they were ahead of schedule in that category. That was still true of the Magic um, very much at this point, but as a team, their three-point percentage was not stellar. Um, I mean, they shot about... 36%, but towards the end of the season that had dipped a lot. Um, I forget it was if it was just the playoffs or you know, a certain game stretch before the playoffs, they were shooting like 26%. Um, and then in the playoffs, they really struggled shooting the ball at all. Um, I mean, Ryan Anderson, 30%, Gilbert Arenas, 25%. Um, you know, Jason Richardson, 32%, Jameer Nelson, 23%, Hedo Turkaloo, 23%. Um, they were they were just not quite the same team. And it's such an interesting what if um, as far as, you know, if they had kept Turkaloo around the whole time and not made a move to bring in Vince Carter, if Turkaloo was there, would he have kept a higher level of production? Was him leaving somehow part of his, you know, dip in production? Um, you know, wh- why did Jameer Nelson's production dip the way that it did? You know, was it fully injury related? Um, there's so many interesting footnotes. It was something I forgot to mention at the beginning. Um there was a, a stomach virus issue that affected a number of NBA teams, but a, you know maybe none more so than the Magic. Four different Magic players, including Dwight Howard and I think Jameer Nelson, had that, so that limited them. You know they forced they had to miss games with that. Um, they still finished fifty two and thirty on the season, second in their division, um, and uh, then they lose in the first round to the Atlanta Hawks, and that was kind of the start of the end of the magic. And again, for magic fans, I feel bad with the team that I picked almost. I kind of thought about, well, maybe I should just go with 
you know, one of the finals teams, because that's an easy pick. But it's just such an interesting look into uh, amassing names. The fact that Carter played for the Magic, Gilbert Arenas, all these guys were on the Magic, um, and they had this unique roster, you know, a mix of guys. At the end of the season, it was Dwight Howard, Jason Richardson, Hedu Turkoglu, Jameer Nelson, J.J. Reddick, Gilbert Arenas, Quentin Richardson, um, and, you know, at various points, if you had this team maybe in 2009, um, they would have been uh, – the, this could have been maybe even better than the uh, original final squad, but it was just a couple years later, and it was just slightly too late for some of these guys, and I think that's interesting. Um, this was really the beginning of, well, if if the Magic don't get a bona fide, you know, roster around Dwight Howard – that he would consider options in free agency. That was when, you know, the, the, kind of the end, the beginning of the end of the, the Dwight Howard years and experience. But um, it was, it was an interesting last ride. It was still a great season, um, especially for Howard and this rotating cast of characters. I imagine it could have been, you know, a lot of fun as a fan, you know, at any given point you have, you know, so many highlight level players and, and all-star level players on the floor. Um I just thought it was a fun team to to talk about a little bit. Um, so that's our team. Again, maybe an odd pick, but to to make up for it, we're going to go with an easy pick, a home run pick for our legend of the franchise we're talking about. Um, not quite the biggest home run. Of course, you could talk Shaq uh, or, you know, maybe Dwight Howard. Um, but the guy right there with them, as far as best player in Magic history, it was a little bit of a brief Magic run in the early 2000s. But we're talking one of my favorite players, and one of many people's favorite players, Tracy McGrady. People love T-Mac, um, and he was sensational. Four full seasons in Orlando. Um, he was drafted by the Toronto Raptors, of course, a cousin of Vince Carter, got his start there, um, had a chance to break out in the 2000 season, starting a handful of games, scoring well, you know, um, young, athletic. I mean, he was 18 when he came into the league. So his breakout year in 2000, he was only 20 years old. The Magic take a chance on him, and age 21 to age 24, his season's in Orlando. Um, he averages 28 points a game, seven boards, five assists, one and a half steals, one block. Uh, good percentages, maybe not the you know completely most efficient shooter from a three-point range or a field goal range, but I will certainly uh, make excuses for that. I'll think, you know, if you think about the roster around him, not the greatest Magic teams. I mean, he had players. He had Grant Hill with the injury troubles. He had Mike Miller um, and not a ton else. He had Doc Rivers as a great coach there. Um, but just an incredible, you know, run in Orlando. His first year there averaging 26.8 after the year prior and in Toronto averaging 15.4. He was the most improved player. He was uh, in top five in MVP voting in 02 and 03 as he forced that team really to you know a seventh seed or an eighth seed in the playoffs a first round exit but he was still sensational in 2003 he averaged 32 points a game um on his best shooting percentages of really his whole career um that was probably his best season all around the 03 season 32 points a game fourth in mvp voting an all-star uh, it was an all-star all four years in orlando and the highlight reel. I mean, you're talking about a six, eight shooting guard. Um, you can even argue, 
you know, could play a point style. I mean, getting about five assists a game with the scoring, um, he was always going to have the ball in his hand in Orlando. A score could distribute with the size, could play a number of positions, and he was sensational. Um, the respect that guys like Kobe Bryant and, you know, Allen Iverson had for a Tracy McGrady as, you know, similar age and playing in their era, um, Kobe was like, you know, I, how, how can I beat this guy one-on-one? -on -one? Of course, the Lakers were far ahead of the Magic as far as contending for championships and those things. But Kobe had a great respect for Tracy McGrady as the player. Um, and he was fairly durable, played, you know, about 70-plus games uh, all four of those years, missed a handful of games each season, um, but just sensational. His final season, uh, his production was was still great. Uh, still an all-star, not in that MVP voting because the Magic had really started to bottom out. But he was, um, he had his career high that season of uh, of 62. Um, just unbelievable. I mean, four, four career triple doubles, I want to say probably uh, two or three of those were in Orlando. Um, I wonder if he, you know, if he had stayed in Orlando, um, but of course, the bigger question is if he had stayed healthy, his production, what it could have been. Um, after the four seasons in Orlando, he went, goes to Houston, is on more playoff caliber teams, but he misses a lot more games. He missed about half the year in 06, um, more than half the year in 09. Um, production began to decline. And after that 09 season, he really struggled to stay on the floor, bounced around between Houston, New York, Detroit, Atlanta. Joined the uh, Spurs in 2013 for their playoff run just one year early. If he had joined in 2014, he could have got a ring out of it. Um, and that was kind of the end. You know, the end came suddenly, abruptly. He was finished at 33 years old. Um, and so it, it's really a shame because he had such a phenomenal career. Um, you know, there's plenty of people who will point to you know, the playoffs and maybe had a moment or two where he could have done um, better for the team. And yeah, maybe you could argue that. Um, but when you're carrying a team like he did, the four years or three years they made the playoffs in Orlando, um, all, you know, for first round series, um, two of those years swept in the first round, the third year, a seven game series in 03 against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, the mighty Detroit Pistons. They were maybe the best team in the East uh, at that time, um, if not, you know, New Jersey. But those years, those playoff runs, he averaged like 32 points a game, six boards, six assists, you know, solid defensive numbers, the shooting, you know, a bit off. But he, he had to, you know, do so much for those teams offensively. And, um, you know, couldn't quite get it done. He just didn't have enough help, I would say. And so still a sensational career. Um, I'll end it off with, you know, check out the highlights, um, the dunks, the athletic finishes, the three point shooting The I mean, he could just get hot like that, you know, right away, you know, three straight buckets, four straight buckets, get on a roll. He could shoot, you know, from range. He could shoot hand in your face. Sensational. One of my favorites, one of many people's favorites, Tracy McGrady, Orlando Magic franchise rec, uh, legend, and that takes care of our franchise focus for the Orlando Magic. So let's go ahead and shift gears, jump into our Fantasy Fridays segment uh, for today's episode. 
All right. I won't spend really any time as far as updates on my fantasy team uh, or league. Our league, of course, as many people's leagues have, uh, the trade deadline has come and gone. Didn't make any moves. Um, kept my team the way it is. Didn't really see anything on a you know a free agent uh, level that at the at the moment that seemed like a right move. Um, so I'm I'm sticking with my team. I think I'm at 500 at this point. Um, there's a number of teams that have clinched playoffs. I think two two guys have clinched playoffs in my league. Two guys have been eliminated. I'm right there in the middle. So. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but we'll just jump into a couple of names to watch as far as some movers potentially in the fantasy space, starting with a riser um, off of that. Uh, again, they lost to the Spurs, but the Thunder have still been a great team and he's continued to to get better and, and be dominant in his own way. Chet Holmgren, um, his scoring is up over the last couple of weeks by about five points a game, rebounds up about two, two boards a game, field goal percentage up. Um, he's been efficient. He's, you know, continuing to, to, get stronger and get, you know, even more impactful. Um, he's only going to get better. So I think that's a, a pretty home run pick there. Hopefully um, it is uh, as far as a faller hates, you know, pains me to say this, but I've got to say Larry marketing, his numbers have dipped um, about five points less per game over the last couple of weeks. Uh, his boards are down about two and a half and his field goal percentage is lower. Um, and I don't know if it's really any fault of Lowry. Um, maybe he's been, uh, you know, his production has dipped a little bit, um, I don't think that will necessarily be a long-term thing, but the jazz again, strength of schedule ahead of them is, is against their favor. Um, they don't look like a, a strong case for a play in spot. So the season maybe gets to a point where you, you know, well, we, you know, we, we know what the outcome is and we're already getting, you know, prepped for, for the off season and how we're going to build this in, in year three of the, the post Mitchell Gobert years, and how we're going to try and get back into the playoffs and the play-in, how we're going to get truly better around uh, around Larry Markinen. So um, that's why he's a follower there. And then a sleeper, I'll go with Emmanuel quickly. You mentioned the big game he had uh, against the Mavericks, but over the last couple of weeks, the scoring is up nearly eight points a game. Uh, rebounds up, assists were um, uh, up slightly. Three-point shooting up about 10%, um, again, over the last couple of weeks. He's been good. Um, we talked about with the the... Nick's Raptors trade that he would have an opportunity to start at point guard and, uh, you know, really show what he's capable of. And over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that more than what we had seen previous to that. Um, I think there's a chance he can sustain it. I like quickly a lot as a player. I don't think it's, you know, it's hard to say. I think it's like, you know, 50% chance really that he just breaks out and becomes a great player. It, you know, pretty much 50%. I don't, I think you could really go one way or the other. He could stay the same and just be a, a good point guard or he could break out and, and take it to another level. So, um, you know, could be worth a chance, could be a sleeper pick there, could be worth a flyer on, on that, you know, upside for him, still a very young guy and there's opportunity in Toronto. So uh, those are just some picks again, uh, my not killing it in fantasy perspective, uh, those are some players that could be worth looking at. So uh, that's it for our brief Fantasy Fridays segment. As far as a check-in on predictions, um, you know, if we try and comb back here and see what some of our recent predictions have been, uh, we we kind of went a couple weeks without, um, you know, a lot of predictions. Uh, again, there's the, the playoff standings ones at the end of the year uh, with the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference, so we still – have a little bit of time to get the return on those. The Pacers prediction for me about Siakam uh, 
helping the Pacers be a top four team in the East. That's seeming a little bit less likely. Uh, the Pacers haven't been as hot with him as I had hoped they would be. Um, my prediction about Wembenyama uh, surpassing David Robinson's uh, season block total for his rookie year. I think that still has a pretty good chance, maybe even a better chance than when I made the prediction. Um, outside of that, we before that point, we had a lot of the trade deadline predictions. Um, the Ben Carroll pick for an all-star came true. Uh, so I feel pretty good about that. And uh, we're waiting, of course, on Keontae George, seeing if he could be an all-rookie first-team guy. For my sake as a Jazz fan, I certainly hope that is the case. But uh, that's a real brief check-in on our predictions. So let's go ahead and get things wrapped up, starting with our weekend forecast. All the times that I will give for these games are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you're planning your schedule around any of these potential games. On Saturday, five games total. One national broadcast, that's on ABC at 8.30. The Lakers hosting the Nuggets. And again, LeBron, very good chance that he becomes the first 40,000-point scorer in league history. Um, Very fitting that it's an ABC game that broadcasts that. Um, I would have to think that's a pretty, uh, you know, coincidence that it almost seems like it could have been, you know, they they planned it out and and that was how it came out. But they're against the Nuggets, a top team. Uh, So that should be interesting. But a great matchup there. Definitely the the top game from Saturday to watch. Uh, But the remaining games on Saturday at three, the Brooklyn Nets host the Atlanta Hawks in the second game of that, uh, you know, back-to-back series between those two games. At five o'clock, the uh, Utah Jazz are in Miami against the Heat. Again, Jazz Plus or K-Jazz on local uh, Utah cable networks. At eight o'clock, the Portland Trailblazers are in Memphis against the Grizzlies. That's the first of a... Uh, or actually the second, rather, of a home-and-home series for the Grizzlies as well. And then at 9 o'clock, the Houston Rockets are in Phoenix against the Suns. Uh, Those are remaining Saturday games. Then on Sunday, eight games total, four national broadcasts. Uh, Firstly, on ABC at 1 o'clock, the Mavericks host the Sixers. Then at 3.30, it's the Boston Celtics hosting the Golden State Warriors in a rematch of the 2022 NBA Finals um, Celtics, the top team warriors looking to get there, um, a little bit far away, but still, you know, has, have a chance to do something in a play in picture potentially. Then on ESPN at seven o'clock, the Cavaliers host the Knicks. And then at nine 30, the Suns host the thunder, uh, Suns thunder Holmgren versus KD, you know, SGA versus Booker and Beal. Those matchups are very intriguing. That would be a great game to watch for. Uh, and then Knicks Cavs, you know, Eastern Conference and and the Cavaliers hosting the Knicks, two of the hotter teams in the East, uh, certainly in the month of January and no, going into February. So should be a great one. Uh, you know, great slate of games, those national broadcasts. Your remaining games at 3.30, the Timberwolves host the Clippers. That is maybe the best matchup of all of those, you know, two top teams in the West. Uh, at 6 o'clock, the Toronto Raptors host the Charlotte Hornets. Also at six, the Pistons are in Orlando against the Magic. And then at seven, the San Antonio Spurs host the Indiana Pacers. Finally, on Monday, six games total, two national broadcasts on NBA TV. Uh, there's a doubleheader at eight o'clock. The Bucks host the Clippers. And then at 1030, the Lakers host the Thunder. Then your remaining games at 730, the Brooklyn Nets host the Memphis Grizzlies. At eight o'clock, the Timberwolves host the Portland Trailblazers. At 9 o'clock, the Wizards are in Utah against the Jazz. Again, Jazz Plus or K-Jazz. And then finally at 10 o'clock, the Sacramento Kings host the Chicago Bulls. A lot of great matchups there to watch for in uh, in both conferences. A lot of divisional matchups. And uh, it should be another great weekend of basketball. So 
that is the bulk of our show. Uh, last segment for you here of this day in history fact, uh, March 1st, we're going back to 1996, uh, March 1st of 1996, Atlanta's Lenny Wilkins became the first coach in the NBA to reach 1000 career victories when the Hawks down the Cleveland Cavaliers 74 to 68. Talk about low scoring games, the nineties, the defensive focus, especially late nineties, early two thousands, low scoring games, but Wilkins, a great player as well as a great coach. Uh, one of the, the great figures really in the history of the NBA. And that is our, this day in history fact for you. And really that is it for our show. Thank you all again for listening. Um, we really appreciate your support. We'll of course be back next week on Monday with our normal Monday show. We'll take you through power rankings, weekly MVP, DEFCON levels as well. Should be a great show for you, but otherwise uh, that is it for us. And we'll be back with you on Monday. <laughs>